today we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 17. As we work our way through the Proverbs, I was kind of reminded of the time when Solomon became king and uh, the Lord appeared to Solomon and he said, ask whatever you want, whatever you want. And, you know, Solomon, you guys know the story in 1 Kings chapter 3, 2 Chronicles chapter 1. Solomon said, Lord, I, I want wisdom. Out of all the things that the, in the whole wide world, I want wisdom. Because who can rule these people of yours? And it's cool to see you guys coming out on a midweek service. You know, my prayer is that that's why you come. Lord, teach me your word. Teach me the book of Proverbs. Um, because I, out of all the things in life, I want wisdom. I want to know um, what to do as I'm trying to take care of my family, as I'm trying to, you know, minister to people and lead them and serve them in different ways. And, you know, there's different ways that can happen uh, with Solomon. I think about it. I wonder how it happened with Solomon. Did God just like zap him? Like, boom, all of a sudden you got this, you know, super brain and super wisdom. Maybe, huh? Maybe. Um, but also, I think that for us, it's probably not going to happen like that. For us, the way that we would get that wisdom is when we wholeheartedly seek him and we study his word together. And so I hope you guys know that coming to church, coming to church service like this is not in vain. If your heart is open, if you want to learn, if you want that wisdom, because we know how valuable it is, I believe that God will honor that and you will become a great servant, leader, effective in whatever ministry God has for you. And so uh, it's hard go for me going through the Proverbs because every sermon, every sentence is a sermon. So uh, forgive me if I don't go in-depth, but um, we'll see. I, I don't want to keep you here all night either. I try to finish, believe it or not. My goal is 30 minutes. I usually take twice as long, but I'm not going to see how long it goes today. Probably about 40, 40 minutes or so. And I figure if you guys can sit through a two-hour movie, uh, when we used to do that, remember back in the day? <laughs> then we can do this for about 40 minutes. Verse 1, it says, Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. And so if you had to choose, honestly, which would you rather have? Uh, uh, be honest, steak with strife or lettuce with love? Which would you choose? And some of you are like, it's a hard decision, Right. Well, the wise man knows which is better, and that would be lettuce with love. As a matter of fact, that's where the name lettuce comes from. It's let us love one another. That's where lettuce started. <laughs> no, but literally in the Hebrew language, it's a dry crust of bread. And think about maybe some old pizza crust that's out there for a day or two. Would you rather have that or, you know, feasting? And then the Bible says no. And obviously the, the primary point is let's let our homes be filled with love you know and it's not about the money it's not about the riches it's not about the feasting it's about the fellowship I, I really believe that I, that's why it's so cool I love to eat with my family I mean out of I was telling them the other day out of all the things in life the one thing I love the most is just being able to sit down and eat with you because hopefully there's love and hopefully there's fellowship and that's uh, the goal I think of this verse right here not just to state a fact but even to bring us to that place, you know? In, in one sense, it kind of goes back to those times where we have to make that choice because some people, they got to choose uh, between riches and righteousness. And so my prayer is that you would always choose righteousness over riches. And you will be tested um, 
like we always say, right? Um, beans and rice and Jesus Christ. That's all we need. A little bit of salsa, maybe a cup of tortillas, and then you're fine. Not while we're fasting, though. Okay, verse 2. A wise servant will rule over a son who causes shame and will share an inheritance among the brothers. And so this is what can happen at the farm or the family business. You know, the son, he doesn't always take over. He doesn't always get the promotion, especially if he's a shameful son. But the wise servant, the faithful servant, the hard worker, a lot of times they're the ones actually that get that reward and they get a share of the inheritance. And so what's he saying right here? He's saying, let's work hard. Let's work hard. Let's be faithful and not rest on our laurels, not rest on what we might consider to be family favoritism. Verse 3, it says, The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. And this is a really tough verse because it, it shares a, a really tough truth that the only way to go beyond edification and on to that thing called purification is to be tested and tried um, by fire, really. I mean, he says it's the Lord, but even Peter talks about the fiery trials in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. And so there's no getting around it. I, I wish there were shortcuts. I wish that I could say, Lord, I'll just read your Bible, and I'll do it with an open heart, and I'm going to grow leaps and bounds. I wish I could just do that, but there's just no way that that can happen. God will do his deep work, but he can't do it in shallow hearts. And that's why, you guys, we have to go through the difficulties. You know, it's never easy. Uh, sometimes, oftentimes, usually when we're going to go through things in life, there's a few of those uh, epic earthquakes that are devastating to us. And so the key is to go through those trials with your eyes on the Lord. And when you go through the fire, when you go through that testing, then what it does is when the heat dry goes, it gets hotter and hotter, then the dross rises to the surface. And that's when we can skim it off. You know, Job was one who went through the trials, right? I mean, think about what Job lost. He lost all his children. They all died. Uh, he lost all his finances. And he lost all his health. You know, and from head to toe, he was covered in boils. He was in perpetual pain. And then to make matters worse, all his friends or so-called friends came and they said, hey, Job, the reason why you're like this is because you're, you're just uh, in sin. And a man who loved God, that was probably the worst thing that anyone could say to him because it wasn't true. And so think about all that he went through. But even a man like Job, who was blameless and upright, he feared God, he shunned evil, even Job needed to be purified. And that's what happened. He came out at the end. He came out stronger. That's why Job wrote in Job chapter 23 and verse 10, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. And so it wasn't random. You know, when you go through your trials, all the things that you're going to experience in life, the heartaches, the, you know, the valleys that you might even be in right now that's so dark and painful, Understand that it's not random. God sees everything. It says he knows the way that I take. He knows exactly where you're at. And when you come through, and it's always a matter of time, then you're going to come out as gold. And that's as you keep your eyes on the Lord. I was reminded of that time in the Gospels when the Lord sent his uh, disciples 
across the lake. And he sent them to the other side. And he actually sent them into a storm. Because you guys remember what happened is the wind started blowing. And man, Jesus went up to pray and spend time with his father. When they're in the middle of the lake and they're straining at rowing. I mean, you know, and, and so it was kind of weird because you think, but Lord, you sent them into that storm. But the Lord saw them the whole time. He saw them the whole time. And then what happened? Eventually, it was the fourth watch of the night. He came walking to them on the waters. And so they were afraid. They thought it was a ghost. Next thing you know, the Lord just says the words, be still, and everything is calmed. And then he gets into the boat. And so what, what was the purpose of that whole, you know, trial? Why did the Lord send them into the storm? It was so that they could see Jesus like they'd never seen him before. And that's what happens, you guys, through the trials. This whole thing that we're going through, I tell you what, it's making some people stronger in the Lord. I was talking to someone today, and even though it's challenging because I understand, you know, some people can't come to church service because... Uh, that's how God's leading them and just different things are going on. It really is a personal relationship with God. And you're as close to him as you want to be. So when you go through the trials, when we go through the difficulties, my prayer is we would know that God's desire is to purify us. Think about it and, ma and make us like gold. Read next in verse 4. It says, an evildoer gives heed to false lips, and a liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. And so this verse is a little different than a lot of the other Proverbs that warn about us and our tongue and you know, the lies and the slander that we can speak. This proverb actually points to the other end of the spectrum, and that is that here we have the warning not to our tongues, but to our ears. An evildoer gives heed to false lips. A liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. And so for us, you guys, don't give heed, don't believe those things. As a matter of fact, it says right here at the end of the day, don't even listen. You know, but some people, they, they kind of, they like that stuff. They want to take it in. They like that junk food for the soul. And so here, the Bible identifies them as evildoers. And it even identifies them as, as liars, interestingly enough. Because, you know, they take in lies, and more than likely, they give out lies. And so whenever someone comes to me and they tell me something, maybe negative, or maybe it's not, uh, you know, presenting someone in a good light, I don't take it in. Uh, I, I listen real quickly. I make sure we don't belabor the point. But, but you know, uh, I'll go and make sure that, that it, was this true before I, I believe them. You know, there's another proverb that says a ruler who pays attention to lies is going to be in big trouble. And so, again, you guys, you can tell someone if they start gossiping, I'm sorry, I'd rather not, you know, you tell me this. I'd rather talk to the person instead because right here, that's what he's saying. It's a warning for us in the things that we listen to. Verse 5, it says, He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker, and he who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. And people, they quickly forget that all men, including the poorest of the poor, are infinitely valuable to God because they're loved by him and because they're made in his image. And I, I don't think you guys would 
be like that, but prayerfully you guard your heart so you don't look down on anybody, on anyone. Why? Because God doesn't. God loves them. You know, when you look at this passage right here and you kind of connect the two sections of it, there may be some who celebrate the misfortune of the poor or the tragedy or calamity of others. And what we see right here is that God will punish that person who is glad when that person is sad. That, that can't be our hearts. Verse 6, it says, Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. And so a crown is maybe the opposite of a frown. Uh, a crown is like a reward, right? And, and there should be, and what we see here in verse 6 is interesting. It's like a mutual appreciation. You talk to any grandparent, and they'll tell you how much they love their children and their grandchildren. What a blessing. You know, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to see my, my grandchildren. I was asking the Lord when I first got diagnosed with high blood pressure, that I was going to die like next to, you know, whatever right away. <laughs> and um, anyways, uh, I was asking him, Lord, that would be so beautiful if I could. It's up to the Lord. What, um, how awesome that would be. Some of you who are grandparents, man, you are so blessed. You're rewarded, right? But then it's kind of cool. I like the way this verse, it also shoots it the other way. You know, um, to have grandchildren, how glorious. And to have your parents with you still, how glorious. To have your grandparents with you still, how glorious. I tell you what, appreciate them. Appreciate your parents. Appreciate your grandparents. You might not always have them, at least not on this side of time. Verse 7, it says, Excellent speech is not becoming to a fool, much less lying lips to a prince. And so excellent speech, it may refer to eloquent words, but really at the end of the day, uh, excellent speech are words spoken according to God's will and in line with God's word. You know, and we can use this tongue in such amazing ways. You can, with your, with your tongue, you can say something to a stranger that might save their life. You just never know what people are going through nowadays. You guys know, huh, during this whole COVID crisis, there's so much depression, so much anxiety, so much of that mental uh, stress that people are going through. And so use your tongue in, in, in an excellent way, in line with God's will and God's word. Speak it, share it. Um, and, and when you do, it's kind of cool. He says, that's not a foolish person who talks like that. Excellent speech is not becoming to a fool. But then he flips it around and he says, much less lying lips to a prince. And some people, you know, they unfortunately, they don't really take lying that seriously. Um, but I just really believe you should never lie. Never lie. Always tell the truth. Even if you think it's just a small and insignificant thing. Um, because right here it talks about leaders just don't do that. Uh, verse 8, it says, A present is a precious stone in the eyes of its possessor. Wherever he turns, he prospers. And so this is an interesting verse. If you have a NIV, it, it calls this a bribe. And so, uh, of course, the Bible doesn't condone bribery. But there may be something said about prosperity to those who learn to be generous. Those who learn to give. 
And so a present is a precious stone in the eyes of its possessor. And wherever he turns, the Bible says, there's that prosperity through generosity. Verse 9, it says, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. And so this can be someone who wronged you, and you just cover it, man. You don't, you know, blast it. You don't uh, focus on it. You know, you just cover it. It's gone. You bury it. You give it to God. And when you do, what a blessing it is. It says he who covers the transgression. I like the way it says this, and we don't see this too often in the Bible, but they're seeking love. You know, they're looking for it through that gracious uh, act of kindness and forgiveness. You know, I, I was reminded in the book of Genesis chapter 9 and verse 23, uh, we get that visual uh, of when uh, Noah got drunk and his uh, sons, it was, he was kind of in a weird spot right there. And, uh, and two of his sons, rather than, you know, making fun of him, one of his sons, unfortunately, made fun of him. But two of his sons, they just took a cover and they went backwards and they just covered him without looking at him, without making a big thing about it. That's kind of like the visual we get in that. Some people, for whatever reason, they got to deal with everything, you know, and they got to bring it all up and they got to settle accounts and, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying there's never a place for that because sometimes there is, but make sure you take it to the Lord because I can tell you that I fail the Lord a lot of times in things that I say that I shouldn't say or things that I don't do that I should do. I think we all do. And just think if God dealt with us according to every single thing. And so we're wise when we just recover it at times. Now, 1 Corinthians 13.4, it also shares the positive portion of this passage where the Bible says there that love thinks no evil. And really what that means is that love keeps no record of wrongs. You know, a lot of times we're really good at remembering the wrongs people have done to us. We get all historical, right? Hysterical. I remember when you and last week and all that kind of stuff. And, and what God does with our sins is he takes it and he casts it as far as the east is from the west. And the Bible says he remembers it no more. He puts it behind his back. Now, by the grace of God, that same God who does that with our sins lives in us. And he can help us uh, do the same. But how ugly it is, how ugly it is when the worst of words like this separate the best of friends. And that can happen. Now right here he says, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. And so you guys, we see this a lot. Uh, we have to think before we speak. Is it true T-H-I-N-K. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? And that's one of the things we're definitely getting from these proverb studies. And you read your proverb each day. I mean, I'm telling you, God is going to use it and give you power to tame your tongue. Because only God can do that. Verse 10, it says, Rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. And so when we're wise, the rebuke, it does us good. It's effective. Think about that. It's productive. It's helpful. It's life-changing. 
when someone tells you something that you need to hear, if you're wise, you take it in and you grow. Think about how awesome that is. But then there's the fool. He gets 100 blows. Think about that for a second. 100 blows. But homeboy never changes. He never changes. He ignores the painful discipline. He hardens his heart. He loves his sin. He clings to his pride. And he dies a fool because he never listened to the love of the Lord. Verse 11 says, An evil man seeks only rebellion. Therefore, a cruel messenger will be sent against him. Basically, evil people are eager for rebellion, but they will be severely punished. It's that rebellious heart. Verse 12, it says, Let a man meet a bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. And so mama bears, they'll do anything to protect their cubs, right? Uh, they fight furiously. I was reading about one article that was kind of interesting about uh, bears who found a surprising way to protect their cubs from male bears because male bears are the ones that usually kill the cubs. They come to the mama bear with all the, the little cubs and or, or cub, and they'll kill the cub primarily because they want to be intimate with mama bear. It's crazy what happens, but... Um, nowadays, mama bears are doing everything they can to protect their cubs. They're even taking them. Uh, they say the best way to protect them from these male uh, bears is to take them places that are close to humans because that's the, the male bear's number one uh, fear. And so any, anyways, you're just say, saying, you know what? The fury, the protection of a mama bear, you guys know how that is? He says it's better to be in that situation than to be in this situation where there's a fool in his folly. And a lot of times that guy's got a, a knife or he's got a gun or he's, he's just got no limitations. And so um, the fool, according to his folly, be so careful. Verse 13, it says, Whoever rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. And you know, someone does you good, and what do you do? You do evil to them. The proverb right here, the promise right here, it says that evil will never depart. And it's interesting, from your house. Whenever I read the word house in the Proverbs, it always grabs my attention because he's talking about my family. He's talking about my home now. And this is why we've got to be so careful, you guys. Um, I think David is probably the poster child for this. It doesn't mean that your sins aren't forgiven. It doesn't mean that God can't wash you and save you and you go to heaven. But, you know, when David did what he did to Uriah, this guy who did him so much good, when David did what he did to God, I mean, the, the, the Bible talks about how Nathan eventually came to him and he said this, he said, David, um, the sword will never depart from your house. And so we have to make sure that we guard ourselves. I know for us as Christians, it, it goes uh, even beyond that. Um, it, for us, uh, Jesus told us that we are actually to love our enemies and to bless those who curse us. And Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3, 9, that we're not to return evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing knowing that you were called to this that you may inherit a blessing and so uh, someone does you good make sure you don't do them bad someone does you evil even there the bible says pray for them and do good to them 
verse 14 says, The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. And believe it or not, I have this in my prayer list of praying for myself. Uh, Shakespeare, it's a quote by Shakespeare, and he says, Beware of the entrance to a quarrel. You know, um, they say that prevention is the best medicine. Hey, Manny, just to let you know, if you ever get a headache from not eating food or whatever, all you have to do is, um, uh, you know, just take this, uh, whatever, this aspirin is the best one. And, you know, the best thing probably is to try not to get a headache if possible. So prevention, you know, that the water, it, the dam, it, that it breaks. And, it, man, once that breaks, you can't stop it. You can't stop it. And that's why he's saying here, when you begin to see just those little things starting, right there, you need to try to stop contention before it starts. We've all heard that phrase, nip it in the bud. Why is this the man who is able to do that, nip it, stop it, recognize that water when it only is a little drip? Only by the grace of God our Father and the wisdom of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit can we stop contention before it starts and then escalates and then eventually devastates. That's how dangerous it could be. Verse 15 says, He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. If you jump down at verse 26, it says, Also to punish the righteous is not good, nor to strike princes for their uprightness. And, you know, when you read the Old Testament, this is one of the main reasons God judged Israel, because the judges were not just. You know, but you might be here and you think, whew, and you wipe yourself, I'm clean because I'm not a judge. But we're constantly making judgments. And we have to be very careful that we do so justly. There are those times who, those people who let the wicked go free and they condemn the innocent. It happened in personal situations, among friends, at work situations, employees, employers, and then also in judicial situations in courts. Bribes and favoritism have a lot to do with it. And what we see in this verse, and we see it frequently throughout the Bible, is that it is detestable. It is an absolute abomination to God. One thing about God that we got to know, that we see it so clearly presented in the Bible, is that God is just. God is fair. God does not show favoritism. And we need to be the, the same. Abomination is a strong word. And so God's displeasure upon such injustice is strongly hated by him. It's good for us to know this so that we can always judge fairly. Verse 16, it says, Why is there in the hand of a fool the price, uh, purchase price of wisdom since he has no heart for it? And so, you know, you go to the store in heaven or whatever. We imagine yourself, you're in a dream and you're going to the store in heaven and you're like, I want wisdom. You know, and you look at it and this is how much it costs. But um, it doesn't even matter, you know, in all reality to those who really, they don't have a heart for it. They're not willing, basically is what he's saying, to pay the price. Uh, they're not willing to pay the price. You know, and what we find is that for us, a heart for God we'll get it right. You know, Proverbs twenty three twenty six is a really cool verse. It says, My son, give me your heart. You know, do you want to get wise? Do you want wisdom so that you can navigate through life in a way that in which you would follow the Lord 
every step of the way. He'll bless you. He'll bless your family. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but it's going to be the right road. The only way that you can have that is if you are all in. You are all in. I don't just want your head. I don't just want one foot or a hand. I don't just want you on Sundays and Thursdays. No, God says, give me your heart. You have to give me all of you all the time. I mean, that's the cost of discipleship. And so right here we see if you're not willing to give God your heart, all of you, every area of your life, just know that that type of window shopping doesn't get you the goods. It doesn't get you wisdom. That's why Jesus said in Luke 14, 28 through 33, if you're going to go build a tower, count the cost. Know what you're getting into. Know this ahead of time. And so we have to have that, that, that heart. Lord, I give you my heart. I'm not in this for me. I'm not in this half-heartedly. I'm willing to pay the price. Verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I mean, and it's so cool to have a friend like this, uh, to be a friend like this, who will always love no matter what. You know, when you read this verse, obviously it's not just a statement of information. It's a statement of inspiration. Lord, let me be this type of friend. And if you have a friend like this, you should appreciate them. Um, Lord, let me be this type of person. I, I believe these can be speaking of the same person, whether it be the friend who loves at all times or the brother who is born for adversity. You know, there's that true brother true brother sometimes they're not always biological sometimes they are but it's a true brother who's born or born again to help you through the the tough and trying times of life and think about it and to me i think about it wow lord you actually made that person they were born for me one day when i'm going to be in this trial this adversity you actually made them to help me through this that's a pretty cool thing now, I was reading the other day uh, a, a parable I'm sure you guys are familiar with, the Good Samaritan, where Jesus said uh, that two commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And one of the guys, he says, well, who's my neighbor? And then the Lord told the parable of the Good Samaritan. And basically what happened was there was a Jewish guy who fell among thieves, and he was lying there on the ground on the side of the street, so to speak, and he was just waiting to die. And so a priest comes by. Think about it, a priest. And he just keeps going. He doesn't help him. And then a Levite comes by. And he sees him down there dying, and he just keeps going. And I wonder, why didn't they help him? Well, maybe because they were too busy. And a lot of times, that's what happens, huh, to us, especially in ministry, but it can happen to anybody. I'm just too busy. And then a lot of times what happens, sometimes these priests or Levites, maybe they thought, well, if I touch him, ooh, cooties, I'll be unclean. Sometimes people are like that. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They want to go help people. Why? Because it's a kind of a t- tricky situation, right? Uh, but then the, the other reason might be because it's too dangerous. And so maybe this is a setup here. And maybe the guy's right here and the crooks are over there just waiting for me because they want to get me. And so all I know is that eventually the Samaritan came. And the Samaritan didn't have it all together, you know, in, in the way that we would think they should, Right? But the Samaritan loved that person. The Samaritan was there and picked him up and tended to their wounds and took him to the inn and says, here's the money to take care of him. And if they need anything else, you put it on my account. Next time I come through, I'll take care of it. And what that was, 
man, was love demonstrating. And I think for us, you guys, in looking at this, this is the type of friend we need to be. This is the type of brother that we need to be. Verse 18, it says, A man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. And we've talked about this frequently in Proverbs. It's a warning against co-signing. So don't ask me, okay? Verse 19, He who loves transgression loves strife, and he who exalts his gate seeks destruction. And so basically, you know, there are some people like that, believe it or not, they, they, they love uh, a quarrel, uh, they love to strife, they love to argue, and they're, you know, we see that here, they love sin. And then it says, he who exalts his gate, more than likely the gate is in reference to his mouth. And so um, right here we see he, he, you know, he talks big, he brags, and, and so in that sense, he's headed for destruction. Verse 20 says, He who has a deceitful heart finds no good, and he who has a perverse tongue falls into evil. And what we find is that the crooked heart, notice again, it starts with the heart, and the lying tongue, they tumble us into trouble. Luke 6.45, it talks about that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 21 says, He who begets a scoffer does so to his sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. And we're going to see this a couple of times. You know, you're a parent, you give birth, you have these high aspirations for your children, and they end up not believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just a heartbreaking situation. And so it's a lesson in life. It's a lesson for children. Hey, be good. Bless your parents, because otherwise you cause them so much pain. But it's also a lesson to parents. Oh, Lord, help me to make sure that I raise them the best way that I can. Verse 22, it says, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. And so this can be you doing this for someone else. It can actually always also be you doing this uh, for yourself. You know, a positive outlook, even a sense of humor, it, it does us good like medicine. But the person who chooses to look up and cheer up, they, they, they refuse to do that. They do damage on the inside. Right here it says it dries the bones. And they may never be able to stand up the way that God wants them to. I was thinking about this uh, football player, um, the one that just got hurt on the Dallas Cowboys. Zach Prescott, is that his name? You guys know, don't you? It's Zach Prescott, yeah. I think he's a believer, um, and I saw today uh, on Instagram how he, uh, you know, he's got this positive outlook. I'm going to come back strong and thanking people for their prayers, and God's got this. And I just thought, you know what, that's going to help him. That's going to help him. It was interesting, earlier, Tony Dungy, he's a commentator for the sports, he's one of the analysts, he told, uh, you know, when it happened, he said in, in, in TV, I think, he said, that it could be a blessing in disguise. That this quarterback was so, you know, good to all these statistics that were up in the sky, got this crazy ankle injury. And here Tony Dungy said it, it could be a blessing in disguise. And he got crucified for it. I mean, everybody thought, how could he say such a thing? And the answer is, is because Tony Dungy is a Christian. And so is uh, this quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. And so there's that positive outlook 
the merry heart, uh, man, it's like medicine. It'll help you get better. You've got to keep your eyes on the Lord. That's the only way you can do that. But when you don't, think about broken bones, how much it hurts on the inside. Verse 23, it says, A wicked man accepts a bribe behind the back to pervert the ways of justice. And so for us, at the end of the day, let there be no price, no amount of money that can make us sin in any way. Uh, they say one in five Americans uh, say they would sell their soul for a million dollars. I think a lot of people have sold out for a lot less. Verse 24 says, Wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. And so, like I was telling you in the beginning, you guys are here. My prayer is to seek the Lord, his will, his word. God, make me wise, because I know I have a mission in life certain roles and responsibilities and so right there it's your your eyes are on wisdom but the one who, who who doesn't have that heart it says his eyes are on the ends of the earth and that can mean a couple of things number one it could mean that they're just looking at the things that the world has to offer and that's where they're focused but most commentators believe what it probably means is that he can't focus really on anything really it means he has no power to concentrate at all uh, verse 25, it says, A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Again, a lesson in life, a lesson for children, and a lesson for parents. Verse 27 says, He who has knowledge spares his word, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he, has shut, when he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. And so... You know, uh, we've talked about this many times. James 1, it says in verse 19, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so here you have an individual who's smart spiritually. They have that knowledge. They are calm. And, and it's kind of interesting. When you're like that, and I think it's just, it's, it's, it's fit. People will think, man, that guy's wise, even though you don't say a whole lot, you know. Uh, and sometimes uh, I think even that in and of itself, I know certain people and they don't, they don't talk a lot, but when they do, it's thought through, it's processed through, and it's, sure enough, it's, it's true, man, he's, he's wise, you know, because when he does speak, there's content to it. And so uh, prayerfully, you guys, continue to, to seek the Lord. You know, when I was thinking about this and closing today, you know, the Bible says that in Christ are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Think about that. It talks about that in the book of Colossians, that in Jesus are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so for us as Christians, it starts there in that relationship that we have with the Lord. Uh, Jesus who died for us on that cross and rose again. And just in case there's anyone here or one day maybe watching this video and uh, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, I pray you would know whatever you're going through, whatever the struggles are, that Jesus, Jesus is the answer. And in him, even for us as Christians, there's all that wisdom, all that wisdom that he has to offer. Because as we, like Solomon, Get, get that wisdom initially and unlike Solomon we stay on track imagine what God is going to do in and through our lives 
So praise God.